You have just downloaded the Barbecue Central Show, which airs live every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology. They can be found at thebbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. And by the CHOPS Power Injector System, the 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year at the NBBQA. Find them at barbecuekansascity.com. And by Butcher Barbecue. From injections to rubs to sauces, always trust your butcher at butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for everything and anything that has to do with barbecue. Their website is bigpapasmokers.com. And by Cook Shack Pellet and Electric Grills. Visit them at pelletcooker.com or cookshack.com or call them 800-423-0698. And by Cookin' Pellets, you can buy Cookin' Pellets at cookinpellets.com. You can also visit amazon.com to purchase as well. And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet grills on the market today. You can visit them at greenmountaingrills.com. Chad Hayden with Moose Riders Barbecue, the 19th annual Jack Daniels World Barbecue Champion, and this is Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Reppy. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you, want to jump in, uh, if you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. 216-220-0966. The email address is greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about, uh, let's call it 12 minutes from now, the third Tuesday recurring guest each and every month not last month but mostly every month famed author tv show host cooking class instructor hall of fame barbecue hall of fame inductee last year steven reichland joins us at 9 35 a first timer to this show as we have seen over the last i guess month of this show specifically in one segment or another the cookbooks are coming fast and furious when barbecue-related. This guy, certainly no different. He has put one out onto the market. Let me find it. It's called 
be the barbecue pit master. We will be joined by none other than Will Budiaman, if I'm saying his last name correctly. Will, I apologize in advance. We'll get it right when we get you on the horn here in just about 20 minutes from now, 30 minutes from now. So that'll take care of your first hour. Then in the second hour, perhaps, perhaps, nobody remembered that the American... The what? The Memphis in May World Barbecue Championship took place this past weekend. A lot of people were telling me through tweets and emails, here's my pick, blah, blah, blah. And if I look back through the emails, a high percentage of people did not pick the team that ended up winning it all. I don't know if it's because they haven't won since 2007, either the hog or the whole thing, which coincidentally, the last time they won hog and the whole thing, 2007. Nine years later, and on the, I believe, 20th anniversary of them cooking Memphis in May, we will be joined for the balance of the second hour pitmaster, chief cook, cookbook author, TV show guy, a guy that people seem to love or hate in regards to the TV persona, but one thing you can't deny, he continues to win the 2016 Grand Champ of Memphis in May, Jack's Old South's pitmaster, Myron Mixon. So, there you go. Pretty big show. You might want to tell everybody that the show has finally hit the air, and they might want to consider checking it out once or twice. I mean, why not? What do you've got to lose? Very little at this point. You can tell them to hit up my website, thebbqcentralshow.com. That's where the audio stuff happens. You can also go to outdoorcookingchannel.com slash watch-now. That's where the video stuff happens. Video stuff also happens on Roku, which is an internet protocol television device. There's a number of other IP television platforms that also have outdoor cooking channels. So go to your app store in your particular IP television situation. Download outdoor cooking channel. We'll search for it first if they have it downloaded. And then experience the fun of not only this show, but everything that the outdoor cooking channel has to offer right from the comfort of your own couch or smart device or however you stream your Roku or IP television. As some of you have noticed, I've gone a little summer dew. Shiny. I got to be honest. I don't want to pull back the curtain too much when it comes to my Dr. Phil issues, but I have really, for any number of years, struggled with my hair and how it looks, and it is quickly retreating like the French in war. And I've never, I've always said, I never want to be the guy that looks like he's tried to hold on to it too long. And before it got to that point, I would do this. So every once in a while, I shave it off, usually in the warmer months, so I can tan my dome. But we've reached that precipice yet again. And I think last year or the year before when I did it last, I liked it better. You know, this year, not so much. So... Perhaps I have even more deep-seated hair issues than I even thought. Nevertheless, 
breaking news. A barbecue central show exclusive news update. That's right, Greg Rumpy, uh, Greg Rempe reporting here from the breaking news desk in the Cleveland, Ohio office. Folks, we have a brand new sponsor to the show. A company that is making waves in the barbecue community, especially when it comes to their brand of cooker. We're welcoming in Noah and Amber Glanville, the owners and creators and founders of Pit Barrel Cooker, to the show. Over the last number of weeks, actually months, I have been uh, talking with Noah Glanville and Amber, actually met up with them in Louisville in March, kind of mid-ish March, I guess. And we decided that we would put together a exploratory committee and see if getting together in a sponsorship sense made sense to them. And after some back and forth and some trading of statistical data and empirical numbers and so forth, they have decided that indeed it does make sense for their business model to get on board this sponsorship train that is known as the Barbecue Central Show. So thank you first and foremost to Amber and Noah for believing in the show. I know they've been fans for a long time. We've had them on a number of times here over the course of the year since they've been in business. They're experiencing wild success. The pit barrel cooker is as simple as it gets. It has gone through some renaissances over its lifetime. It is now porcelain-coated enamel on the outside. still has the hanging of the meat. It still has a grill grate. The thing that I really like best about it, aside from the ease of use, which once you're getting into the barbecue game initially, you do want to learn some fire management skills. Those are skills you want to build over the course of your time in the niche. But you want to also have some type of ease or simplicity of use so you get that really good quality end product time after time. And aside from like pellet cookers and charcoal cookers that might have a temperature control device on it, I don't know any other non-temperature controlled device out there right now that cooks as consistently or is as easy to use as the pit barrel cooker. Plus it's fun. You can hang meat. I mean, what's more fun than hanging meat? I don't know. Hang meat outside. Should be the new catch line of pit barrel cook. But it does have the grill grates that you can use. It has the ash pan, the removable ash pan that you can also buy as a, an extra for some of their really cool accessories that they have, the pit grips and all that stuff. So thanks again to Noah and Amber Glanville of pitbarrelcooker.com. Check them out here. If you've never checked them out before, Go ahead over to the website here while we're gabbing it up here over the next 120 minutes and check out the cooker. Plus, for $299, it's shipped right to your door, ready assembled, all ready to rock and roll. You make one vent adjustment right up front, depending on elevation, and then you're ready to rock it. You never have to change it again. That's great. Pitbarrelcooker.com. That's pitbarrelcooker.com. And thanks again for uh, partnering up with the show. Looking forward to a long-term relationship with those folks. Plus, I can't say it enough, and I'm not just saying this because they've started to sponsor the show. Amber and Noah are quality human beings. Take the barbecue stuff away if you have time. If you have time to spend time with them, quality individuals, people that you would like to hang out with, people that you would like to leave your kids with if you were running off to 
some type of a weekend getaway or whatever. Who knows? These are people, great people, and assets to the barbecue community in general. So thanks again. Looking forward to the partnership. PitBarrelCooker.com, your newest show sponsor. Stephen Reichlin coming up out of the break. First, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue. The number one dealer of Mac Pellet Grills in the world, Big Papa Smokers, features a wide selection of American-made grills and smokers, such as the Old Hickory Ace BP, the Gateway Drum Smoker, even a drum kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself in recent years by crafting an award-winning line of championship rubs. From flavors like Sweet Money to Happy Ending, their rubs have had a hand in winning almost every major barbecue competition. Don't think that BPS can just be pigeonholed into competitive barbecue either. BPS rubs have become so well-known they have been picked up by a nationwide restaurant chain, BJ's Restaurant and Brewhouse. With four of the nine rubs featured on the permanent menu and amid glowing reviews, I'm here to tell you that BPS rubs are a proven great addition to anyone's pantry. Big Pop is also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profiles that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They also sell the online meat locker stuff from Snake River Farms. The American Kobe beef, the Kerbuda pork, the Double R Ranch meats. Big Papa's Meat Locker has something for every type of beef freak. And they have also created the unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition, barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind, they've been able to do all of this with only six years of being in business. Turning competition barbecue on its head, providing customers with the very best barbecue products, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and most importantly, benefiting children's charities across the U.S. Just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Just the beginning. By the way, congratulations to Sterling Ball racking up his seventh grand championship. He has qualified for the Jack this year. Congratulations. Sterling Ball having one hell of a competition season, if I do say so myself. And a guy that isn't out there 40 and 50 times. Something is going right on the West Coast. Something is going right in the BPS camp, the West Coast offense camp. Something's right. Seven wins in the year, you go to the Jack. That's pretty significant stuff. Congratulations to Sterling, James the Flame, all those guys over there. BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. We're back with Stephen Reichland right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities, 500000 in cash. Eternal bragging rights if you win the whole damn thing. This coming weekend, the Sam's Club Barbecue Tour rolling into South Haven, Mississippi. It's a local qualifying event to keep up with the Sam's Tour. 
To see results, to potentially register your team to compete in some open spots, visit kcbs.us slash samstour. All right, joining me now, my third Tuesday of each month guest, 2015 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, TV show host, barbecue cooking class instructor, multiple-time author. Let's go ahead and race over to the hotline. And welcome back, friend of the show, Stephen Reich, Mississippi. Stephen, how are you, buddy? To keep up with the Sam's Tour, to see results. To potentially register your team to compete in some open spots. I've done Oh, okay, I see what I've done. My goodness. I think we've got a kind of echo here. Uh, yeah, that's all me. It's all me. I did it. I did it. We're good, though. Stephen, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing absolutely fabulous, Stephen. And a couple different places that I wanted to jockey around with you during the segment here. Uh, first, uh, we, we missed you last month, so hopefully everything is good with you, and uh, we're happy to have you back. Secondly, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it seems like over the last five and six weeks... Barbecue books are coming fast and furiously. For the folks that aren't up on the whole book industry, is it just time of year as to why we're seeing all of these books kind of flying out one after the other week after week? Well, certainly, uh, you know, publishers do try and uh, time the uh, publication of new books with the arrival of barbecue season. But, uh, you know, I think with uh, Barbecue Bible and How to Grill, I kind of created a monster. And uh, there is it just seemed to be an endless number of books rolling off the presses these days. Stephen, I was talking with Ray Lampy, also a Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, by the way. And we were talking about barbecue books. And uh, he specifically brought up, you know, Barbecue Bible and, you know, some of your other books, you know, way back when. Uh, also, Jamie Proviance was kind of thrown in that uh, realm as well as... You know, you guys were kind of pioneers to, to get all of that. And then you fast forward to 2016, I, and I had asked Jamie and Ray this. Do you think, so let me ask you, do you think that we are at a point now where the industry is going to become oversaturated with these style books? Or are you kind of a believer in what Jamie told me, which was, hey, we're still making French cookbooks and Italian cookbooks. What's the difference? Why can't we do that with barbecue? You know, I think there's I think there's always room for a good barbecue book. Uh, I think as uh, uh, the collective knowledge about barbecuing and grilling has grown greater. Uh, I just did a book signing in Atlanta, uh, Georgia, where I am on uh, my book tour right now, and the level of sophistication in the questions uh, was really compared to where it was 10 or 15 years ago. People really know a lot, and there's always room for new books that explain more that go deeper. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show, of course, his website, barbecuebible.com, and the TV show, projectsmoke.org. Uh, by the way, if you didn't know, Stephen's book is uh, also available, uh, the same name as the TV show, Project Smoke. So you said you were on your book tour, Stephen. You were in Atlanta, I believe, this evening. You're off to Jacksonville, Florida on the 19th, and you have a stop in Miami on the 21st. What does, what does one expect if they go to a, a tour stop, if you will, for you? Is it just you like sitting behind a table and you're signing books? Is there uh, a lot of question and answer stuff? Does it vary by location? How does it go for you? You know, it is so varied. Uh, Let's see, uh, the uh, launch of the tour was in Boston, and I uh, did a lecture on what I've come to call Planet Smoke, my travels around uh, 
uh, around the uh, the globe to study smoking, followed by a tasting that was prepared by the culinary students at uh, Boston the Boston University Culinary School. Tonight, uh, the event was hosted by a library. Uh, I did a talk on the uh, the uh, the culture of barbecue and the actual practice of smoking. Uh, Next week, I'll be doing events where I'm pairing up a chef. I'm in Austin in a couple of weeks, and that's an event where uh, I'm going to be hanging out with Aaron Franklin, and uh, they're going to be cooking my food, and he and I are going to be talking about the, uh, the fine points of barbecue. So it is as varied as the cities and the audiences uh, that attend the events. Stephen, when you are paired up in this kind of a, a tour stop situation with an Aaron Franklin who for the last number of years is widely considered to be preparing the best barbecue, especially, you know, obviously on the brisket side and the sausage stuff. Is there ever nervousness or intimidation to be around someone like that, even as accomplished as you are both in the cooking and in the book writing world, or is it very normal and kind of hand in glove for you with that? Absolutely normal. Uh, I have enormous respect for uh, Aaron. Uh, it is always a great pleasure to eat his food, and I'm really looking forward to sitting down and an engaging conversation with Aaron. Uh, you know about uh, for our, our, our various perspectives on the art of uh, smoking and barbecue. Would you wait, or have you waited in like a three or four hour line for barbecue anywhere in the country? Uh, I would not wait. Uh, I mean, I suppose theoretically I would, although you know what? I don't like to wait, but I'm very lucky in that, uh, you know, uh, most of the people know me and I generally get invited in the back door and uh, seated at the family table. I, I, for point of clarity. By the way, you got to you got to ask yourself, does anybody in Austin actually work? I mean, uh, my goodness, it seems like everybody's waiting in line at barbecue joints. For for point of record here, and I've said it a number of times, but in case anybody is tuned in here for the first time tonight, I am on record as saying I couldn't possibly get myself convinced to stand in line for 20 minutes, let alone three hours or 40 minutes, for something that has to happen like mechanically or physically for me to put a piece of brisket in my mouth to justify that kind of time. So hopefully I would fall into your situation where somebody just might happen to notice me and, and usher me in through the back. But nevertheless, uh, it's Well, it's I got to, you know what, I got to tell you, Ray, have you ever had Franklin's brisket before? No, never. Well, Franklin's brisket, it really is, uh, it's, it's worth, it's worth the hype and then some. It is just some of the most sublime brisket on the planet. Stephen, in regards to Project Smoke, you know, how are you being received? What are people telling you about the book? And, you know, what's the, the general public feedback that you're getting? And then I guess, you know, what are you hearing from your publisher as well? Well, um, you know, the feedback is terrific. I mean, first of all, it's a very different look, different look uh, than my previous barbecue books. I would say that uh, it is filled with art photography. That's the level of photography, just gorgeous photography, layout, very clean, simple layout. Uh, and, uh, you know, people at the, my event tonight, people weren't just uh, buying one to get signed. They were getting three and four and five copies to be signed. In terms of my publisher, uh, you know, we've gone back to, we went back to press in pre-publication. Uh, so the book was officially launched on uh, May 10th. And sales have been strong enough that uh, around about the end of April, we went back to press. So, you know, I think everybody's real pleased. Of course, for me, you know, 
uh, uh, we can always do better and, you know, uh, enough is never enough. So, uh, so, uh, I still have a lot of work to do. Stephen, let me ask you one question about the business of, of book writing. And I guess if we were looking, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, and I had asked a couple other authors, uh, authors here over the last couple of weeks that have been on to talk about their books, how much different is it now compared to when you had originally started from, you know, all the accounts that I'm getting, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you could really get a good chunk of money doing the book stuff. Fast forward now, and perhaps it's not that kind of a deal anymore because of self-publication and all these other outlets. Well, uh, you know, it is true that when I started uh, almost 20 years ago, you know, those are the glory days of publishing. Uh, you didn't have Amazon.com. Uh, you didn't have eBooks. I mean, really, you barely even had the chain bookstores. Uh, so there's been uh, enormous erosion uh, in terms of the number of outlets where you can sell books. But at the same time, we also have platforms for promoting books. You know, we've got social media now. We've got the Internet. We've got websites. Uh, so I believe if you have something to say, um, it is still a viably, an economically viable model. Do you have any disdain towards something like an Amazon or, or these various electronic media outlets, or is it just an evolution and changing with the times? I don't have disdain for anything that's not part of my DNA. On the contrary, Amazon is my single largest uh, retailer, so I have the utmost respect and affection for Amazon. Right. And I'm also, you know, I'm also pretty excited by... Uh, new possibilities, you know, digital frontier, uh, streaming programming. I mean, I mean, I think, uh, it's, there will always be a marketplace for ideas and art and I'm very, and it's just how it comes to us is what's changing. And I'm excited about that because it helps me grow and it helps me change. You always seem to be a guy that really has embraced technology and tried to stay with, or at least keep current with things that are trending at the moment. Is there some piece of technology or social media that you see coming down the pike that's really going to be a game changer for you and other people in the barbecue and grilling community? Uh, you know, uh, Greg, if we knew that, we'd invest in the companies and we'd uh, <laughs> all retire uh, billionaires. I'm sure there will be something. You know, I mean, think about something like Facebook. Funny, being on tour, I mean, this is uh, probably my uh, 17th or 18th year uh, on book tour. I reflect on how much has changed, starting with the fact that when I first started touring, there were no cell phones, there was no internet, there were obviously no social media. Uh, Facebook is such a part of our lives today that it's almost like, you know, a, it's almost like a commodity, like electricity. Uh, I'm sure there will be something new because there's always something new. I hope I'm... Uh, live long enough to see it and have, uh, you know, uh, am uh, still adventure enough to uh, learn it. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show. Uh, the website, again, barbecuebible.com. The TV show's website, projectsmoke.org. Stephen, let me transition out of the book here just for uh, the last few minutes. Of actually, the actually, if I may just mention Please. one more thing, because I know your listeners uh, live all over the country and, yes. in fact, all over the world. So, you know, if you go up on my website and you click about Stephen and my event schedule, or else you sign up for the newsletter, the newsletter today, I would love to meet your listeners at my various events around the country. I'm going to be in 25 cities across North America, and actually we just added a stop in uh, Italy. So if you're listening, 
if you see I'm in your town, come on out, email me, tell me where to eat, uh, bring me your barbecue to try. Uh, you know, this is part of what makes uh, book touring so satisfying. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be spectacular if anybody actually gets out. And if you're a fan of this show, by the way, and you see, see let them know you're a fan of the show, and this is how you heard them. That would be great. So Absolutely. let me uh, change gears here just for a couple minutes. And, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of the blog, and I'm always kind of asking you about posts that I've seen you write. You know, one of the things that seems to really be gaining steam, and it almost seemed, it, not taboo, but hard to get or, or hard to do, which is the dry aging of beef. So let's tackle that first, the how-to-buy-cook dry-aged beef situation. Okay. Well, first of all, we're going to buy it. We're not going to buy it cooked, of course. We're going to buy it raw. Right. And, um, you know, one sort of easy solution is um, Whole Foods, which is, you know, nationwide chain, does sell dry-aged beef in most of their stores. And uh, it's pretty good. Uh, What's the deal about dry-aging? Well, two things. The dry-aging, it water evaporates, which concentrates the flavor. So, and you also, of course, lose a lot of the beef in uh, shrivels up at the edges it darkens and you lose the water which is why it's so expensive the other thing is that there are enzymes in the meat that are activated uh after three to four weeks of aging and these enzymes very much like uh enzymes and bacteria and cheese give you a richer uh more vibrant more interesting flavor so um so dry aged beef definitely worth the price uh, another great company, the, the Chicago State Company, they have fabulous dry-aged beef. And you can buy that through my website. Uh, and from you know, as we find other companies to do it, uh, we will uh, certainly let you know. So there's companies that are making dry-aged beef, but inevitably, especially the barbecue and grilling guys, we want to do it at home. Is yep. it something that you really want to mess around with, or is it something that you can put together and really do it safely and properly at the home? Well, we are currently testing two new devices that have come to market for dry aging beef at home. The challenge is that they take up a lot of room. I mean, if you were to put dry aged beef in your primary refrigerator, you know, first of all, you're not supposed to, when you dry aged beef, you don't open and close the door 17 times a day to, you know, get milk or eggs or butter. I mean, you need a dedicated refrigerator. Uh, we will be reporting on uh, a couple of these devices in an upcoming blog. But, uh, you know, if you want to dry aged beef, uh, I'm not going to tell you how to do it now. There are plenty of good websites. Uh, but you do want, I think, one of the keys is a dedicated refrigerator. One of the last questions here. Uh, to, well, so... Is it is it worth, I guess, when you talk about labor, time, and effort, is it worth all of those things for the end product? Or is it just a, a unique flavor thing that, you know, in the end, you don't, you don't do all the time, but on a special occasion, or if you just want to change it up a little bit, you go for the dry age? Well, I love dry age beef, uh, but for me, uh, I prefer to keep it in the special treat category, uh, if for no other reason that when you do eat dry aged beef, it, you know, it, ta- it, you get a really, uh, you know, it's, it makes you sit up and notice because it's not your everyday, everyday. Uh, 
So is it worth for me to buy it at my expense? Uh, yes, I love it. Would it be worth it for me to dry age at home? Jewelry's still out, but I travel so much and I have such a busy life. That's probably not something that I would do. Let me ask you this delineating question. So we've talked about dry-aged beef, things that you can expect if you're going to do it. There's also wet-aged beef. What's the, I mean, I'm sure there's very obvious differentiators, but folks that aren't up on it, tell me the difference between a dry-aged beef and a wet-aged beef. So wet-aged beef, it's basically uh, the meat. You often see it with tenderloins or uh, or steaks. Uh, they are basically cryovac with their juices, and the aging is a much shorter period of time, you know, typically five days a week. And uh, wet aging does, you know, it, it does add some flavor, but you don't get that enzymatic action. And you don't get, I mean, basically just tastes like beef. You don't get that. Uh, that third element, that third flavor component that is different at, than uh, than typical beef. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show, uh, the website barbecuebible.com and the TV show projectsmoke.org. Stephen, when's the, uh, when's the TV show coming back on? So this Memorial Day, Project oh. Smoke 2 will launch. I'm super excited. Uh, it's uh, and you know with PBS every station has a different schedule. So if you go out on ProjectSmoke.org, you can find out where it will air in your area. Typically, the show airs on Saturdays and Sundays. You know, usually somewhere between the uh, 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Uh, time slot. Uh, and folks, I can't wait for you to see the show. We shot it in Palm Springs, California. Backdrop is gorgeous. We did some really cool stuff this year. Just tried to take smoking beyond the normal we have one show on smoking in a hurry which is you know when you're used to the low and slow these are five dishes you can smoke less than 10 minutes we have another show on smoked breakfasts uh so i think you're uh you're, you're really going to be uh your imaginations are really going to be stretched by project smoke too Stephen, last question before i let you go and as always i appreciate the time we're going to go completely out of the cooking we're going into sports tonight the eastern conference final starts where my hometown, Cleveland Cavaliers, take on the Toronto Raptors. Do you have any pontifications on how this series is going to wrap up? Well, I just have a supreme disappointment because my daughter, Betsy, <laughs> is the dietitian for the Miami Heat. Uh-oh. She flies on their private jet. She was in Toronto and obviously on Tuesday made a very... Uh, 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 her trip was shortened. She flew back to Miami. So it's... Uh, very disappointing. I guess. I guess. Uh, I guess I wouldn't see mind seeing you guys trounce the Raptors uh, just because yes. they were unkind today. Absolutely. How dare they uh, send the Miami Heat pack? Now, I think that would have been a, a nice kind of a having LeBron and uh, and Dwayne Wade uh, rekindle, uh, perhaps uh, playing against yeah. each other. But nevertheless, yeah. uh, Stephen Reichland joins me every third Tuesday of the month. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on. The pleasure is mine. Thanks. You Grill got it. on and. Stephen Reichlin right there. Thank goodness. I thought I was going to have to hang up on him early if he was going to. I want to see the Raptors. <laughs> Never. That guy's coming up next. I do not want to upgrade now. I do want to tell you about Butcher's Barbecue. First of all, head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. Take a look at what I'm talking about. Uh, everybody knows what Dave is 
most well-known for over the course of time, which is the injections. Here's something that I totally uh, screwed up last week, and I apologize. Dave has done it again. You know, it's not always the earth-shattering new product to the market or the grilling oil or the chicken injection, the bird boosters, all this stuff. Sometimes it can be the vessel that the material is in, right? Everybody that sells injections right now in the powder form, because I think there's only one that actually is like a liquid form. But everybody else is putting them in the like the aluminum sacks and the cellophane bags and all this other crap. Dave has said, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. Of course there is. He's found it. He's put them in plastic containers. Of course. No more being drowsy in the morning when you're getting ready to inject and tearing open the bag and having the injection fly over the damn wear. No more thinking you closed the bag, but you really didn't. And when you go to pick it up, it leaks out or goes bad because it's exposed to air. No, now it's in a canister. So you can twirl it open, take out what you need, twirl it back on, put it up in the shelf. You know, like sugar or brown sugar or spices. You know, like everything that comes in that type of a canister. It's great. Who would have thought that this would almost re-revolutionize the injection industry? I'll tell you who thought about it. Dave Bosca, Butcher Barbecue. Sure did. So look for that. Know that now your injections, plus, as he's saying, free scoop, easy seal, and no price increase. That's right. You're not going to pay more for the new holding vessel of injections. Of course, all the other stuff that you've come to know and adore with Butcher Barbecue products, all the rubs, the sauce, the grilling oils. I'm telling you, I say it each and every week, if you haven't used the grilling oils yet, you got to try them out because you can keep them out. You just keep them out and use them all the time. Three different flavors. You're going to love them. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Hook up with the injections in the plastic containers now. Free scoop, no price increase. ButcherBBQ.com. We're back right after this. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. We are back. This portion of the Barbecue Central show is being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big one because you have a big appetite, they got one. How about medium-sized eaters or families? They got medium-sized cookers there. Daniel Boone. How about the Davy Crockett? It's a little tailgater. It really cooks a lot of food, though, when you stop and think about it. But you can take it wherever you want to go. It's great. If you check them out at GreenMountainGrills.com, you could get one as well. GreenMountainGrills.com. All right, my next guest... We continue the onslaught of barbecue books over these last many weeks. My next guest is here to talk about his particular effort 
He is a graduate of the International uh, International Culinary Center and is the recipe editor for Blue Apron and the author of Be the Pitmaster. Let's head on over to the hotline and welcome in first timer to the show, Will Budiaman. Will, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks, Greg. How are you? I'm doing fine. All right, Bill, all right, tell me your last name. I don't want to butcher it if I'm butchering it. Uh, you got pretty close. It's all right. Uh, Booty Amon. Booty Amon. Okay. I, I was almost there. I was almost there. Uh, well, <laughs> Thank you for asking. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as someone who has a last name that should seem uh, infinitely easy to say, and nobody ever does it right, and they add words or, or letters that aren't even there for no good reason, I'm increasingly sensitive to last names. So, uh, you know, appreciate you joining me here. So if you could, Will, let's back up here before we get into the book and talk a little bit about your history, uh, I guess both cooking in general, your your love of the culinary arts, and then uh, maybe a little bit on how you steer into the barbecue section. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so basically, I uh, fell in love with cooking when I was in college, and it was sort of uh, a hobby of mine uh, when I first started first started out. And, um, you know, when I graduated, I, uh, thought to myself, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll give, I'll give my, um, major a college try. I studied economics and statistics and I got a job in an insurance company, believe it or not. And, um, ended up, uh, keeping my eye on culinary school actually. And so for three years I saved up to go to the international culinary center in New York city. Um, so I ended up packing my bags in 2010 and moved out there and uh, basically uh, went through the classic culinary arts program. And uh, shortly thereafter, um, I worked at an Italian restaurant called Il Buco and uh, did a stage there as Gar Manger, which is, um, for those of you who don't know, is the hot and cold appetizer station at a restaurant, which is typically the hardest station at a restaurant, but that's usually where they start you out. And um, from there, I got my start in publishing uh, in food writing at a startup food and drink website called The Daily Meal. And I was there for about two and a half years um, as the recipe editor, and I ran the um, test kitchen there and sort of a Iron Chef style uh, in-house recipe contest. So that was a lot of fun. Will Budiaman joining me here on the show. Uh, so where does where does barbecue kind of roll into this for you? And wait, let me ask it. Let me ask a better question here uh, and a follow up. You go to school. You, you do the you know the whole statistical degree as you had mentioned. But obviously there was a, a, an underlying love of food. Did you ever think about just not doing you know the the, uh, the traditional college stuff and just going right into the culinary school right off the bat? That's a great question, actually, Greg. Um, you know, I, I uh, had always been fascinated by the kitchen going up, but um, never really gave it serious thought until I moved out on my own, you know? And um, I guess my love of barbecue got started in kind of an unconventional way. Um, first of all, I should say I grew up in Southern California, which, uh, as you know, is a complete barbecue mecca. Um, <laughs> it is now. And... Uh, it is now. It is yeah, now. things yeah. are changing. Um, but yeah, I I actually used to take family trips um, out to Indonesia, which is uh, where my family is from originally, to um, spend summers there with extended family. 
And one of the most vivid uh, memories I have from growing up is actually um, experiencing a style of cooking called Bobby Gooling, which is basically a lot like North Carolina style whole hog barbecue, except it's done on the beach. Is it like uh, put in the ground or is it all like spit roasted kind of a thing? It's spit roasted. And flavor-wise, is it uh, almost exactly like you're talking about with the, the Carolina stuff, or is there a whole different flavor profile because of you know different uh, different countries and different uh, tastes and all this stuff? They actually take a pretty simple approach to it. You know, it's just um, salt, pepper, and then they let it uh, cook over um, low and slow heat, and it develops a nice. Uh, crisp, crackling skin, just like you would get with North Carolina barbecue, and the um, you know the layer of fat underneath renders down really nicely into the meat and turns it all succulent. Well, let me ask you. I saw in your bio that are you currently with uh, Blue Apron right now? I am. Yes, so I'm there full time. Is that the uh, the food delivery place I hear about on satellite radio all the time? <laughs> That's right. You, probably uh, have heard their advertisements not just on satellite radio but also uh you know on tv and and regular radio as well i have to ask you about this before, and then i swear we'll get into the book i find blue apron and, and i guess meal services to be fascinating in, in a number of different fronts and i guess the the question that i have is do you find popularity in these kind of things as lazy america or busy America, or is there a generation of folks that weren't taught how to properly fend for themselves in the kitchen? What do you chalk up the uh, the success of uh, something like a Blue Apron? You know, I think that there's a growing interest in, growing and renewed interest in food, um, thanks to what you see um, on social media, um, certainly on a lot of um, food-focused television networks, and people are switching over from being viewers to participants. They have that interest. And so um, for people who don't have a cooking background, whose families didn't necessarily cook at home a whole lot, I think services like like these offer a bridge, um, you know, a gentle start and into the world of cooking. And I think that it's really encouraging that more and more people are getting back into the kitchens as a result. How is the company doing like financially? Is it uh, popular? Is it, is it going well? Is it succeeding? Well, Greg, I think I, this is about all I can say about, uh, <laughs> you know, my day job at this point, uh, you know, I'd have to clear it with the fine media folks over there if I want to say anything else, but uh, you know, I'm happy to talk some more about barbecue if you'd like. <laughs> The resumes are out if you're asking everybody. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so talk to me about Be the Barbecue Pitmaster. Uh, there's you know a number of barbecue books that are coming out right now. In regards to concept, and you've written you know a number of books previous to this one, is it something sure. that conceptually you're like, hey, this is something that I want to you know work on and I'm going to pitch it out to some publishing houses? Are you approached to put together a book? Is there some existing relationship that you have with your previous publishers that you're game planning together? How does that all kind of work out? Sure. Um, so this book actually uh, started out as an idea from um, the same publisher I've been working with all along. 
as a uh, cookbook writer. And um, so I've actually written one other barbecue book for them previously, and that was published published last year in May, and it was called Real Barbecue. And uh, late last year, they came to me with the idea for this book, Be the Barbecue Pitmaster. And they said, how would you feel about taking a regional approach to the book this time? And I, I thought that was a great idea um, for one important reason, and that is that barbecue is like a lot of other cuisines in America in the sense that people are starting to take an interest in a regional approach, a deep dive, if you will. Um, you know, people aren't just settling for things like Kung Pao chicken anymore, or say chow mein when it comes to Chinese cuisine. And they, they have that same realization with barbecue, I think now, you know, there's that renewed interest in uh, homegrown traditions. And, um, and I think that's great, you know, because there are a lot of folks out there who, you know, uh, for one thing, equate uh, barbecue as a technique with grilling, which is not the same thing. And, uh, you know, have um, mostly only experienced uh, the stuff that chain restaurants put out, which is um, basically, uh, I guess, popularized versions of Kansas City Kansas City style barbecue. I guess is a good way of putting it. <laughs> so, when you're putting the book together, since you are really focusing on the regional aspects, and I guess depending on who you talk to, you have you know four or five different regions. Do you spend extensive amount of time in each region doing research and then you know coming up with recipes to talk about and, and anecdotes to write about? How does that whole thing happen? Uh, yeah, there was definitely a lot of research that went into the book. You know, um, there was definitely months of research that went into it. And um, actually, uh, what really helped me out with this book was um, having the uh, advice and um, expertise of the various contributors who um, are featured in the book. Um, we have Tyson Hohen here of Arrogant Swine, who represents Carolina style barbecue. He's based out here in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and we've got John Tazar from Dallas, who, um, as you may know, is a famed chef and owner of uh, Knife and Oak, uh, both out there in Dallas. And, um, you know, it was these two folks that I connected to at first who basically uh, formed the ever-growing chain of connections that basically um, helped me put this book together. What's your favorite part of the book? Do you have a particular recipe or a region that you find yourself personally drawn to over the others? You know, um, I because I grew up eating it, I'm just a huge fan of pork, but uh, I'm also partial to... Um, uh, the smoked beef ribs recipe in the book, which I think is great. People talk about brisket all the time, you know, when it comes to Texas barbecue, but I think that they overlook, uh, you know, beef ribs, um, at, you know, to their peril almost, I would say. Uh, it's an incredibly um, flavorful cut of meat because it's so well marbled and it's decadent. Um, I mean, one rib will probably be enough just, for one very hungry person. <laughs> Will Budiaman joining me here on the show. You can actually find out more about Will at his website, willbudiaman.com. Uh, you can also uh, buy all your books through that website, right, Will? Absolutely.
Do you have any other books that you are kind of in the works right now that might be coming out here over the next, like, six months or a year or anything in the pike, if you will? Um, well, you know, I can't, op- I can't offer anything definite at this point, but I have uh, been offered the opportunity to work on a couple of other projects. So, uh, you know, you never know what the future holds. Do you watch uh, barbecue TV shows? Um, not consistently, I would say, but yes, every once in a while. Well, you're a, uh, a writing expert. Uh, do you have any advice for folks that think that they just have the best barbecue book up their sleeve and want to take it to somebody to pitch? What do you like? What are one or two things you need to have in order to, to give yourself a shot at getting on the shelf with some of these other guys? I would say that, you know, um, definitely, uh, have a plan of attack in terms of how you're going to lay out the book, you know, um, find a way to organize the book in a way that hasn't been done by anybody else. And the second thing I would say is to prepare yourself to do a lot of recipe testing. Heaven forbid, right? (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. Uh, Will Budiaman uh, has the book out right now. Be the Pitmaster. Check it out. You can uh, check out his website, willbudiaman.com. Will, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you so much. You got it. There he is, Will Budiaman. Uh, was it just me, or was he a little tight? Did he seem a little tight? Maybe he was reading the chat room, and they're like, he was messing around with SoCal barbecue. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Uh, his website again, Will Budiaman. 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 Jeez. Uh, B-U-D-I-A-M-A-N. B-U-D-I-A-M-A-N. Check it out. Thanks to Will for doing this segment. And uh, now I will talk to you about the longest-running sponsor of the show... Located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the Barbecue Guru Gang. If you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices, stop here. These are the uh, people that created the whole deal. They created. Why are you going to buy from anybody else? I don't know. Not familiar with how these little beauties work? I'm not going to get into the minutia, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature and one set keeps it running at that temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. This is real life. You can take advantage of this technology right today. Because, what do I say each and every week? Maybe you're a busy working professional, or perhaps you're constantly on the run with the kids. You're doing errands, going to volleyball tournaments, doing pitching lessons, going to fast-pitch softball. You don't know it's never going to end. It's never going to end. The Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a couple slabs of ribs, and you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. The Guru maintains that temperature you set it at. CyberQ Wi-Fi for all those people that love technology. Do you want to monitor number a number of internal temperature of your meat while also looking at your pit temperature? CyberQ Wi-Fi, the one you want to do. Do you want to be able to make adjustments from your smart device, from your bedroom? CyberQ Wi-Fi is the one you want to look at. Do you want something that's like cruise control with not a lot of the fanfare? How about the Party Q? $149 for most ones. It goes on a number of different cookers. The Weber Smoky Mountain style cookers, the kettle style cookers, ceramic style cookers, even ones that are made out of metal. 
A little bit more for that one. You need a special adapter to get on that bottom vent. But it's a self-contained package. It runs on AA batteries. It can go from cooker to cooker to cooker. It's fabulous. How about the Onyx oven? You're looking for an Onyx oven? Winning in the backyards, across the country, all over the place, and on the competition seat. Fully insulated, holds a ton of meat, going to accommodate half and full pans for food service, working seamlessly with the Barbecue Guru pit temperature control devices. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to thebbqguru.com. Check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly, 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. We are back to wrap up the... (laughs) Oh, Matt, you found me out, Matt. You found me out. We're back to wrap up the the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show. Email from John Dawson. Rule number three of the show. Learn how to pronounce the guest's name. Hey! <laughs> Follow-up email from John Dawson, Patio Daddio Barbecue. It's not Booty Aman, it's Booty Ramen. Who doesn't eat those, by the way? Especially college kids. I still eat them now. Who doesn't eat? Does anybody still eat ramen noodles? Top ramen? Anybody eating top ramen still? I love it. I like them dried. I don't like having all that soup in it. I like cooking them, draining out 98% of the water, dropping in that potentially diseased flavor packet. Who knows what's in that thing? Chicken flavor. Beef flavor. Beef flavored powder if you want it. Then mixing it up kind of thickens up as it sits a little bit. Oh, put that over some chicken. Yeah, man. Doug Shiding is right. John Dawson just being funny. Oh, sorry. How about rule uh, rule number four? Learn how to read, right? Yeah. Let me let me restart. John Dawson in with this show rule number thirteen. <laughs> Number 13, not three. Learn how to pronounce the guest's name. Also learn how to read. All right. Thanks to Will Budiaman and before that, Stephen Reichland for joining me in the first hour. The second hour is jam-packed. It's Myron Mixon for the better part of an 45 minutes to an hour. Definitely not an hour. But... We're going to get to recap Memphis in May. 
We'll also talk about Smoked. That's a new TV show coming up shortly that pits people that have really big issues with each other. You know, like uh, the two guys in the Florida Barbecue Association who just hate each other and want to go steal cage match on Destination America. Jim Elser and Matt Barber. Listen, brother. This is Matt Barber from Hot Watch Chulas. I'm going to tell you something, Jeff Elser. When I get you on smoked, I'm going to smoke you like a brisket, brother. I've been training and saying my prayers and eating my vitamins, Jim Elser. And Matt Barber's going to take you down to Chinatown. I'm going to make you succulent like a baby back rib, sucker. That's right, brother. Brother. All right. Let me step away here, regroup for the second hour. And we'll be back. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. Stand by. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet before we nursed. Delicious, Liberty. It's a shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. Just like that, we are into the second hour. Thank you for joining me. You found the Barbecue Central show. This is a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. And you're listening yeah. to Barbecue All right. Thanks, Bobby. Does anybody have a score on the Cavs game? I do not have a score on the Cavs game, believe it or not. I'm too involved in this show to be worried about what's happening in the East Conference Finals. Somebody give me a score. Only if we're winning, though. We, I mean the Cavs. If we're not winning, don't tell me. Just don't say anything. Tim Visser. Greg needs to do more Hulk Hogan impressions. You're goddamn right I do. I'm really good at Hulk Hogan impressions. Brother. Raptors down 16. All right, good. It's only it's only one, Kinger. Don't worry about it. You guys want seven against the Heat. I mean, there's no way you're going to want that's right, Dave Bosco. The Thunder did beat the Golden State Warriors. Love that. Still to come on the show tonight, Myron Mixon. 
The Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour rolled into Bowling Green, Kentucky this past weekend. It was a local qualifying event that feeds the Marietta, Georgia Regional Final. The top six teams moving on are Grand Champion Moyers Competition Barbecue Tour. Jamie! Wait. <clears throat> Jeremy! Having a really tough time with the names tonight. Everybody, welcome uh, Mike. Uh, welcome Steve Mixon to the show. <laughs> Jeremy Moyers. Moyers competition barbecue team winning with a 694.2. Tommy Houston and the Checkered Pig barbecue team. Almost three points behind. So, Jeremy with a, a very convincing win. Congratulations. Warren County Pork Choppers, Donnie Bray, former KCBS Team of the Year, 687.3. So, big uh, big stand or a big uh, discrepancy there uh, from second to third, from first to third, too. Contagious Q, uh, fourth place. We Q for you, fifth place. And rounding out the top six, moving on to the Marietta, Georgia regional final. Rob a Q with a 682. So from one to six, a 12 and eh, 11 and a half point difference. So convincing win for uh, Jeremy. Good job, buddy. Way to take home the GC for the show, man. You did it. The next stop for the Sam's Club Barbecue Tour is this coming weekend, 521 in South Haven, Mississippi. Good luck to everybody competing out there. All right, so does anybody, hold on, does anybody want to win a copy of this book right here, Meathead, The Science of Great Barbecue and Grilling. Also, it comes with a 90-day free trial, the Pitmasters Club. If you want to win a copy of Meathead's book, I have an extra one that I am allowed to disperse for the ripe price of zero dollars and zero cents. First one to send me an email with the subject line Meathead wins a copy of the book. So shoot me a email with the subject line Meathead. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. That's Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Subject line Meathead. First one in wins. Let's see. Do we have a winner? Let's see. Do we have a winner? Let's see. Do we have a winner? No winner. Meathead, don't worry. I swear somebody wants that book for free. Don't worry. Other news about Meathead, by the way. I don't know if you've seen any reports or things of this nature. You would recall back in January 2015, so right around almost a year and a half ago, Meathead sold AmazingRibs.com to one business, Rapari Foods, which I guess is most notably known for the Tony Roma brand of prepared, already prepared ribs. From what I understand, if you are going to buy those, they're the best kind, I think, Lloyd makes a brand of those ribs that are like are already done. Ted Reader works for somebody too that made he had sent me some. I forget who they were. Those were really good. Really good. 
I don't know the name brand, though, so I apologize. But according to Meathead, the Tony Roma brand of prepackaged ribs are best on the market. Now, they might have been readjusted, so I'm, I'm getting off track. Sorry. So in 2015, in 2015 of January, Meathead sold AmazingRibs.com to Rapari Foods. There was going to be all this synergy. They were going to help each other in the barbecue stuff. They were going to potentially have products that were branded AmazingRibs.com, this, that, and the other thing. However, they realized that while the idea of being married was great, in the end, the core businesses and values, eh, a little bit different. Get that big stuff out of here. So now that it is all out in the open, right, I am allowed to say unequivocally, undeniably, that for the last number of months, there has been, according to sources, dealings in the uh, the back rooms, nothing underhanded, but uh, in secret, for Meathead to attempt to buy back AmazingRibs.com. And as of last Thursday night, after the ink dried, I am here to happily announce that Meathead Goldwyn has successfully, successfully re-secured ownership solely of AmazingRibs.com. Boom! Boom! So, yeah. It was Meathead originally. It was then Rapari. And I have no contract details on what the buyback was. You know damn well that I'm going to be talking with Meathead about that next month when he's on in a couple weeks' time. So... Bet your sweet ass that I'm going to do that. All right, it looks like we have a winner of the Meathead book. And his name is... Free book, here it comes, here it comes. Douglas Durda. Doug, you in the chat room? How are you, how are you getting this? I don't know. You down there? Doug Durda is... So if you're listening, it doesn't matter, right? Doug Durda... Send me your shipping information via email, and I will send you out a book. Now, you would recall a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'm sure he got it today. Forgive me, I, f- I forget. I think it was Ryan that won the Jamie Proviance book that I gave away, and he wanted me to sign it. So, uh, Doug, if you have any desire for me to continue giving away books and me signing somebody else's book for you, not in their name, my name in their book, Again, could be potentially very illegal, completely knock out any value that that book may or may not have. I don't know. But here's what I'm here to tell you. You win it, so you tell me what you want. I'll send it out in the mail maybe tomorrow, maybe at some point next week. The one thing I can tell you is I'm very poor at remembering to take stuff to the post office. I promise I'm going to do very hard work to make sure I get it there, you know. So, everybody else that jumped in, sorry you were late. Uh, Douglas Durda, you are the winner. Send me your shipping info, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. That's greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. And I will make sure we get Meathead's book out to you and then specify if you would like me to do anything special to it otherwise. 
All right. Sounds good to me. Let's get out. Let's make time for Myron Mixon coming up out of the break. Let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack, manufacturers of smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of barbecue experience. Whether you barbecue in your backyard, the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, wood chunks. It's the perfect one-stop shop. Forget about it. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoking and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website, cookshack.com, or follow them on these social media types, Instagrams, Facebooks, the YouTubes, the Twitter, Pinterest, Google Pluses. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion. Fast, fast Eddie Morin. I'm sorry, Ed Fast Eddie Martin. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and grill, low and slow or hot and fast. Pellet grills give you the most for your money. Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality meats, high quality meats, high quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being the top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962 and call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or you can call them or or visit the website cookshack.com. All right, Myron Mixon coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. According to Dave Bosca, Cleveland Cavaliers up 21. We'll take it. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by CookingPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets. For all of your pellet-driven cookers. You can visit cookingpellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also buy them at amazon.com as well. Don't forget that Am- or that uh, Cooking Pellets has their own 
app. You like apps? Who doesn't like apps? Download the Cook and Pellets app. It will alert you when there is insanely good shipping on Cook and Pellets, especially from Amazon or somewhere like that. There you go. All right, as mentioned, the 2016 Memphis in May World Championship Barbecue Contest took place this past weekend. And the gentleman joining me now is really joining Rarified Air to the tune of only one other, one other pitmaster accomplishing a feat that uh, I'm sure, knowing the competitor that he is, uh, probably hoped that it happened sooner than it actually did, but it did happen this weekend. Uh, so one of two pitmasters that have accomplished not one, not three, but four grand championships at Memphis and May. Of course, it's Pitmaster Jack's old South, Myron Mixon, joining me here on the show. Myron, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How you doing? Uh, doing absolutely fabulous, Myron. Appreciate you making time here tonight. I know you're real busy, a lot of things going on, uh, so uh, this time is great, and I appreciate it. Let's uh, let's let's quickly trickle back to this past weekend, and you know, th- there's a lot of things that I think are very impressive, uh, perhaps very memorable. Uh, for you and the team alike when you look at Memphis in May 2016, not the least of which, of course, is winning the overall grand championship. But this was like the, uh, was it the 20th anniversary of you guys getting down there to compete? Yes, it is. Uh, Started in 1996. This was my 20th year. Winning it this year on the twentieth year is it uh, you know does it make it any more special or to you and and I look I mean everybody knows what uh, what kind of a competitor you are is a win a win is a win and it doesn't matter it's the first year or the twentieth year or the fiftieth year. Well, it, it meant a lot to me because you know I've had great teammates over the years, but this year the team that I had with me has never won a world championship, including my son. Michael and my brother Tracy. So everybody on this team has never been there in 01, 04, or 07. Myron Mixon joining me here on the show. Uh, Myron, let me ask you about that. You know, the last time you won, as you just mentioned, was 2007. Uh, you've seen success uh, through the years, obviously, in various sanctioning bodies. We'll get to that here in a second uh, as far as we look back at your competition situation. But you know, once you get to 2007, nine years evaporate between seven and 16. Is there ever a point in between that spell of not getting the fourth grand championship? Do you ever think to yourself, we're going to go down, we're going to be competitive, but you wonder if you've missed the window of of ever getting back up on that stage to to hoist the overall grand championship again? Sure. uh, I mean, I thought about it. Uh, I felt like we still had a product, but, uh, you know, as I know and everybody that competes knows, it's not only about having the best thing that's out there for is barbecue, but you got to be lucky. And uh, sometimes you feel like your luck's run out. But this year, I did something I hadn't done for nine years. I stayed down there with a the whole hog all night long. I haven't done that in nine years. And uh, I think that made the difference. I took anything from my teammates. But I feel like uh, me being there, them seeing me there, uh, and watching the hog all night long, I think that made the difference. Do you do you guys look back at the year that you you won it most recently in, in two thousand and seven? Uh, 
every year going back and trying to, to replicate that program. And look, I know when you talk to KCBS guys, or your KCBS guy too, or the FBA guys, they always talk about replication and consistency. But Memphis and May is a whole different beast. It's once a year. You're not doing it all the time every weekend like this. So even when you have that winning program like you had in, in 2007, the years before that, is it hard just to go back and redo that again and hope you're going to get that GC? Sure. I mean, uh, you can't go back. I mean, you got to move forward because barbecue's changed, and especially uh, competitive barbecue. I mean, it changes, flavor profiles change, and you got to move forward. You got to tweak your recipes, and uh, you just got to hope you come up with a winning combination. So, what's the lead up for you and the team before you get down to Memphis? Is there a number of pre cooks, um, or are you confident? in the high-level stuff, and it's more of, you know, the tweaks here and there, flavors or spices or injections that really kind of put you over the top as you work into this year's Memphis and May. I did something for this Memphis and May I've never done. I cooked a hog in practice prior to going down to the river. Uh, never done that before in the past because I don't cook as many hogs as I used to uh, when I was strictly doing MIM circuit. So this was something we did this year that I've never done before. Worked on a different injection recipe. Worked on some different things that we were going to try. And uh, we practiced before we went down to the river. What do you think the judges are are looking for? And I guess not so much in the, like the open format uh, explanation that you guys do as part of that process, but when you're doing the blind boxes – what do you think the judges are looking for, you know, taste, texture, tenderness, all that stuff? Uh, I think tenderness and moisture in the meat, yeah, that's a given. I think they've always looked for that. But I think, uh, and I want to hope so, <laughs> that we're getting away from all the sweet. Uh, I back down on what I don't want to do for competitions. Uh, I didn't make it near as sweet. My injections were not near as sweet. And um, kind of more on the savory side. And, uh, I mean, I really hope the judges are looking more to taste the actual meat itself than taste a bunch of damn sweet barbecue sauce. Do you hope, uh, I know you, you said you hope you're, you're kind of, they're getting away from the sweet stuff, but overall, and you do a bunch of different various sanctioning bodies, you know, the overwhelming thing that you still hear is, you know, sweet with some heat. Do you think at some point here over the next year or two, there might be more of a divergence away from that and, and get back to being a little bit more of, a, of an original situation and instead of people turning in very, very similar end products? I think so. I mean, uh, you know, I'm telling everybody right now, the World Championship in Memphis this year, you know, Jacksonville South, we turned in something that was totally opposite of anything we've done lately. It wasn't about sweet. It wasn't about uh, having something like a, a sugar cane that most people want to talk about. We went kind of savory. We went with a tang of vinegar. Uh, that's traditional from where I'm from in Georgia. And... Um, I would love to be able to see other teams go after the aspects of letting the meat be first, not a bunch of sweet sauce. You know, I judge on barbecue pit masters, 
and I get so tired of tasting but honey, maple syrup, ketchup, brown sugar base, sauce. I mean, all that does is cover up the Dutch plate with the meat. Give me the meat, then give me something that complements it on the side. Martin, you've hit on something that I want to follow up on, and uh, and then we'll get back to the Memphis and May stuff here. You know, you mentioned you, you judge on barbecue pitmasters, and here's here's the question, I guess. It seems like comp- well, it doesn't even seem like competitions have become so nobody knows better than you. Competitions become so expensive now. There's a lot at stake. There's guys that are buying these huge motorhomes, investing in these twelve thousand dollar pits, and buying all these high end meats and all this other stuff. Where perhaps they don't feel like they can go outside of the box too much because it puts them at a disadvantage if they're letting that meat shine through or going a little bit more tangy versus the sweet. Is that something that, you know, you're hearing as well that people like, you know, I would love to do something a little bit more different, but I don't I can't risk the investment and think that I'm gonna yeah. do just as well. And I understand that. I mean, yeah, I mean I can see where you know, people put the investment in, they want to go with tried true, at least where they get a call. Just like a Memphis May this weekend, I had twelve grand involved in that contest before I even got there. Oof. With the site, four thousand dollars for the site, a uh, thousand bucks for the two hogs I cooked, uh, four thousand dollars for rooms for my team. Not counting meals, fuel, none of that kind of stuff. I got twelve grand wrapped up in before we even filed stick of wood. That's uh, that's out of the the norm, though. Obviously, for. The majority of competitions, but I mean, you know that going into yeah, it. Yeah, but it's out of the norm, but it's still in proportion because, oh, yeah. you know, when you go, if I walk across the street and pick up a contest, I still got 1500 bucks wrapped up in it, and now I didn't have to travel. That's buying all the Wagyu's, buying the Compart, you know, Duroc, but that's making injections, that's doing all the stuff. You got 1500 bucks before you can bat an eye. Is that the biggest change, do you think, since you've started, is really seeing that trend towards those really higher-end meats, whether it's the porks or, or the beefs? Is that one of the biggest changes you've seen over your time? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's done got to the point where, I mean, if everybody else is using the high-quality meat, you got to use it too. I mean, you have no choice. I mean, if everybody out there in a 50-team uh, contest is cooking Wagyu, if you're not cooking Wagyu, you'll get beat. That's the way it is. Myron Mixon joining me here on the show, talking about this past weekend's win at Memphis in May. Uh, Myron, so talk to me about getting through that initial hog cook and you know when they come and tell you you've, you've made it to finals. Is, is that a – I mean, you never want to say is that a win, but is that getting to the finals in Memphis in May with those hogs against those hoggers out there, is that a win in itself? Yes, it is. I mean, because you got a lot of guys. The hog category, in my opinion, is the toughest because anybody that enters hog pretty well is going to be someone that feels like that they are a master of cooking whole hog. So you don't have somebody, I'm going to try ribs this weekend, I'm going to try shoulders. Anybody jumps on hog has pretty well done it before. And if they're doing it, they did it well. So... When they come to you to tell you made finals, that's a great feeling. 
once you get the finals announcement, uh, you're obviously turning. Are you already cooking that second hog? Like, is it already like halfway done or three quarters of the way done, or do you have to start from scratch right over again? We cook two hogs. We'll cook them at the same time. And the reason I do that is I take one hog, it builds my blind box. One hog does my preliminary. If I make finals, I flip it around and take the other side, and I do the finals off the side that got me there. Myron Mixon joining me here on the show. So, were you surprised at all? Typically, you know, there's uh, there's always some teams that kind of pop up out of nowhere. But then you also have kind of what I call the perennial guys that have that have done it. Uh, you know, the uh, Chris uh, Chris Lilly comes to mind. I mean, he's he's won it four times uh, now, of course, uh, as you have um, the shed. There was a lot of teams out there that I thought that you usually see kind of in that finals that. Uh, weren't there, were you surprised uh, at who you saw in the finals and perhaps some teams that you didn't see in the finals going against? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised, especially with shoulders. I felt like Chris would be there. I felt like Teffy Stone, he would be there. Um, and when I see those guys there, before I even knew I was in hog or not, um, it was kind of uh, maybe the new Borisha uh, done arrived. So when you are up on stage, uh, everybody's awarded their particular uh, – well, you, you win Hog. So the last time you won Hog in 2007, you also won Grand Champion. When you're announced as Hog winner, do you ever think fast forward to the overall and go, hey, you know, last time I won Hog, I'm going to – you know, I, I won it, so I got a good shot here? Or is it always kind of like you, you never know what's going to happen because – a really good shoulder is a really good shoulder, and a really good rib is a really good rib. Well, I mean, that, that's always your thought. But I knew the hog we had. Um, that was one of the better hogs I've ever cooked. And I knew the flavor profile of it. I knew where I had it. And I felt like if we made finals with it, that's what the judges were looking for. And I knew whoever had the first place rib and whoever had the first place shoulder, they had to have a damn like out of this world shoulder and rib to be able to beat this hog. And uh, I mean, I felt like we we were there. I mean, we were there. I mean, if I couldn't win with this hog, I couldn't win with any hog. <laughs> Talk to me about getting to that fourth overall grand championship. Uh, you had notched up three. Obviously, there was uh, some time that passes now that you're into that club with your friend Chris Lilly. What does that mean to you personally, and what do you think that means for the team as well? Well, the thing personally, I mean, of course, you want to win as many world championships as you could possibly win. But it meant more for me that, like I said before, the guys is, are cooking with me right now never experienced 01, 04, and 07. This was their first, my son being one, Michael, my brother, Tracy, and the rest of the guys, this was their first. And uh, by seeing them and their excitement, the tears, uh, the camaraderie, the hugging, that that brought back a lot of memories from my first one. And uh, it made me so proud that those guys were there to experience you mentioned your brother Tracy and, and obviously your son Michael, who's really kind of come into his own here over the last handful of years when he's really kind of jumped headlong into it. Is it 
and it, it almost kind of makes me not compare it, but reminds me, you know, your buddy Tuffy Stone has seen a tremendous amount of success. He's won some of the biggest barbecue competitions out there over the last handful of years, and he really doesn't compete a lot. So to me, that's very impressive. But he's, you know, bringing George along, and they're being able to share all these milestones in, in their barbecue career. And I had asked him last time he was on how special that was. You know, so I can turn around, and you've mentioned, you know, twice now how good with this group of guys, but, you know, that to have your son there and to have your brother there, that's going to be something you guys are going to remember forever. And, and, and if you never win another one again, this could probably be one that you're okay to get sent off on, I imagine. Oh, yes. I mean, if, if that had to be the last one, uh, and, you know, the barbecue guys looked down and said, Marlon, that's the one for you, uh, I would be satisfied with that. For the simple fact, my son was there, my brother was there, um, my dad was looking down, my mom was looking down, you know, and, and, and my mom especially would say, yep, Myron, you looked after your brother and that's what she asked him to do before she passed. So, um, yeah, uh, it's a good feeling and I'd be satisfied. How do you think Michael is dealing? I mean, really huge shoes to, to fill or, or even, you know, kind of to, to walk next to or behind or however you want to say it. Uh, you being his dad and the success that you have seen for decades now, uh, how do you how do you kind of review where he's at currently in his barbecue career and and uh, do do you find him as a competitor at all or is it always you know like a father and son relationship with you guys? Well, I mean it's both, and and what I'm doing with Michael is and I'm trying to train him. I'm trying to get him where he's going to be the best that he could possibly be. And uh, I want to give him all the obstacles that's going to be out there. I want to be able to help him through those uh, whatever trials and tribulations because I want to be able to carry on uh, the family name more than anything and uh, the tradition. But also, with that being said, I want him to be able to do things on his own. I want, him, But I want him to be capable of doing things on his own. And that comes with time. I mean, hell, he's 24 years old. You know, I did my first competitive contest when I was 32. Um, and I'm trying to give him a heads up and give him uh, an advantage like all parents want to do for their kids. Do you think it's going to be hard for him to, to break away and not at some point always have you kind of thrown into a conversation? Well, I'm sure. I mean, uh I feel like uh, anytime anybody wants to talk to him, they want to throw me in the mix. Uh, but I know Michael enough that where he'll, you know, he's proud of his dad, blah, 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 but this is what I'm doing now. And that's the same way I was when I started competing. It wasn't on such a broad scale, but I was Jack Vixen's son. And down here in the South, that meant something. And you had to get out of that shadow. And um, he'll do the same thing. We're talking with Myron Mixon about the win this past weekend at Memphis and May. Myron, can I uh, hold you over for one more segment here? We'll get uh, to the TV show and the book stuff? Sure. All right. Stand by. Uh, we'll be back with Myron Mixon here in just a second to uh, talk about the new TV show, Smoke. Maybe uh, put a little ribbon on the Memphis and May stuff here. Let me talk to you quickly about the CHOPS Power Injector System, the NBBQA two-time barbecue tool of the year. they got a half-gallon size. 
designed for the competition folks or backyard guys like me. Easy to use. Clean to fill it, pump it, and go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It will use it all. Comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. 100 bucks plus shipping anywhere. Then you have the one-gallon CHOPS power injector system. Double the amount of the half-gallon. Some use it in competitions like when you're doing, oddly enough, MBN whole hog or 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. 120 bucks plus shipping anywhere. Then you have the big boy, the CHOPS full power injector system. It's electric, the commercial and competition big daddy. It's not a holding tank, but a three-and-a-half-foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container. That's right, from a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum. It was originally designed for Chef Rob at one of the best barbecue restaurants in Kansas City. And he said time and time again that with the CHOPS full power injector system, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch 12-gauge needles, 2-inch 11.5-gauge needles, and 3-plug screws, plus a needle protector. 325 bucks plus shipping anywhere. A number of the top pit masters in the world are using this right now, the CHOPS power injector system. Here's the thing. We live in a foodie world that requires flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast. It's not just for meat either. How about infusing alcohol into watermelon or some other kind of fruit? Yeah, you can do it. Every injector is hand-assembled right in Kansas City, Missouri. They got all the extra accessories you want. You go to Chops, or you go to BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, BarbecueKansasCity.com, and hook yourself up with one. Quit messing around with those single needles. Get four needles. You'll wonder how you ever injected without them. All right, we're back with more Myron Mixon right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. Talking with Myron Mixon about the big win this past weekend. Uh, Myron, I'm getting a lot of instant chat. I, I guess people really have no idea the associated cost that it takes just to to get foot into Memphis in May. So after all the winnings that you guys get, you win whole hog, you win the overall grand championship. I mean, are you wildly in the red for that event no matter what? Do you, are you able to make some money? Uh, uh, with the uh, uh, Calumans match money, well, I think we win like 30500 bucks. So, yeah, we're going to come out ahead this year. But, you know, the thing about it is you go down on the river, it costs money to go. Uh, of course, we've got a bigger site. We've got a bigger trailer. You don't have to have that big site. You don't have to have the big trailers. Uh, but still, you're going to spend anywhere from four to $8,000 minimum, I guarantee you. you got to have rooms for everybody. you got to have uh, meals for everybody. you got to buy fuel. I mean, to do this game, it's not cheap. A lot of people say you do barbecue because you love it. You're not in it to do, uh, to do the making the money situation. Oh, sure. I mean, if you're going down there and you want to win and you're in the competition side of it, if you're getting in it to make money off of winning, you're in the wrong business. No doubt. Uh, Myron Mixon joining me here on the show. Uh, Myron, so let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Um, we have smoked the TV show coming up. I just saw a big press release for it over the weekend. Uh is this a new series? Because I remember seeing Smoke. That, was it like a pilot that they had on at one point, or was it on a different channel? What was the, the genesis of the show? Well, the first Smoke we did was like a uh, Iron Chef 
barbecue deal. Uh, if y'all remember, is when I was competing against Mo Kaysime, uh and that was that smoke. But this smoke is kind of evolving from what used to be Pitmasters. And where you used to have three judges, me being the lead judge, now you have two judges. And I'm basically a host. And the only time that I come into play for is giving my opinion is when there's a tie between those two judges. And if there's a tie, then it comes over to me to break that tie. How hard is barbecue TV? We've seen it in any number of forms. We've seen it, you know, all the, I think it was like 10 years ago when it was like the competitor series. And then there was the, the, the one show that everybody seems to really think was the holy grail of barbecue, which was that season of Pitmasters that you were on and that Tuffy Stone was on and a number of other guys. And then it had kind of varied in, in a number of different ways to, to where it is now with you and Tuffy and Mo being judges. Is it is it tough to put together a really good dynamic and and something that the viewers can buy into barbecue show? Yeah, I mean, uh, Greg, I really think that. I mean, because you think about it, there's been a lot of different networks, yeah. a lot of different uh, things slung against the wall, trying to make it stick, and the only concept that's really made it has been that pitmaster smoked type uh format uh it's the only one out there that's really made it i mean you've had different networks like food and everybody else has tried it but uh you know destination america discovery has had the only one that stayed there basically for nine seasons how do you how do you find the the genesis of of pitmasters is that something that you were surprised that it's gone on as long as it has, or maybe it didn't surprise you at all? Yeah, it has surprised me. I mean, when I first started it, I thought it was going to be one and done. <laughs> and uh, when you done the second season, I thought it was going to be two and done. But um, it was amazing how many people watching. And they all love the competitive part of it. They all love the uh, – interaction from me and the rest of the judges with the teams. But really what the viewers were looking for, and this is just from them talking to me, was recipes. They wanted to get techniques. They wanted to get little tidbits of what could make them a better barbecue person in their backyard. Does smoked give them any of that information or is this uh you know as the the promo was you're billing two guys that have some type of a barbecue beef with each other and now they're here to kind of hash it out and and cook which is you know seems like a a fair enough concept what what do you really like about smoked and, and how it ends up before we see it the thing about it what i really like about it is we give the competitors more challenges but also we're more upfront on top of them to get their recipes, uh, get their techniques, and get these little trade secrets that the uh, viewers might find out and be able to use at home. And this season of smoke gives all of that. 
Myron Mixon joining me here on the show, uh, talking about Smoke, the TV show. When is that going to be airing? June 1st. And so soon enough. Do you do you cook at all in it, Myron? No. No? One bit. <laughs> all I do is host. Sometimes I send somebody's ass home, and sometimes I make somebody's barbecue drink. I know that being a judge on Pitmaster and probably being a judge here on Smoked, that at some point you got to be like, hey, get me my Myron Mixon smoker out here. I'm going to show these chumps what time it is. <laughs> is, it, is it tough for you being a competitor I mean, that, that you want to go out there and show your thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've eaten a lot of barbecue from a lot of different competitors and uh, was really expected to be blown away. Not saying it was bad, but it wasn't nothing over the top. But then I had some people that you've never heard of before give me some food that was just out of this damn world. And that just goes to show you that uh, some of the best barbecue, in my opinion, is out in the backyard. It's not out here on the circuit. And I really believe that. Smoked is going to premiere January, uh, sorry, June 1st on uh, Destination America, so look for that. Lastly, Myron, and I appreciate the time, uh, you know, the new book is out. There's a lot of, I was just talking to, to two guys in the first hour that have books out, Stephen Reichland and, and some guy named uh, Will Booty Amon. A lot of books coming out. Uh, again, you're, you're a competitive guy. Books are being released fast and furious right now. Uh, if we pick up your book, what can we expect, uh, and, and how does it differ from what's out there currently as well? I think my book is totally different from what anybody's got out there because if uh, anybody that cares or wants to know about how Myron Nixon got started, what inspired him, um, how he learned to do barbecue, this is it. You know, my dad uh, had a takeout barbecue business. And he took me and my brother and used us as labor when we were like nine and seven years old. And we burned down coals. He had masonry pits. We shoveled. And we learned how to cook. And my dad did not own a thermometer. He didn't own a meat probe. We learned how to cook by feel, by eyesight, and by smell. And his philosophy was, and it sounds pretty, I don't know, simple. But you cooked it till it was done. And that's the way I cooked. And when he passed away in January of 1996, my first competition being in June of 96, and I started cooking on water cookers, which we build today, my mix of smokers, that was a walk in the damn park, the way I learned how to cook. I didn't realize it, but he gave me tools. He gave me uh, knowledge that I found out later everybody didn't have. When and you, this book is about the way I learned how to barbecue. When you were growing up and, and kind of learning the ropes uh, from your dad, Jack, you know, what kind of a, of a relationship did you guys have? Were you were uh, pretty close or was, you know, was he kind of a standoffish kind of guy? Uh, you know, how was it coming up for you and your brother? Uh, he was a mean bastard. I mean, my daddy, I loved him to death, but he was tough. My Jack Nixon was tough. He didn't, uh, you know, all this stuff you see about kids today, there wasn't no time out. My daddy knocked your ass out if you'd done something crazy. 
he didn't play. And uh, he expected you to do it right the first time. Me and my brother got a lot of butt whooping. A lot of butt whoopings. Not saying we didn't deserve them, but we got a lot of butt whoopings. And uh, I feel like the discipline and what my dad put me and my brother through, I felt like it made me the man I am today. Do you think that if he came down and, and walked into a competition next week or, or was here this past weekend, <laughs> that he would be like, man, what the fuck are you guys doing here? You got all these cookers That's and these exactly things. exactly what, what my hell? dad would say. Get your head out of your fucking ass before <laughs> I beat the shit out of you. He would That's go, exactly what Jack Mixon would say. He said, what are you doing cooking on water? You know, y'all over here building pellet cookers. You build a damn gravity feed smokers. Uh, he'd well, I just tell you, he beat the hell out of me. You know, you, you look at the the evolution of the sport, 96 to 2016. We talked about the, the high-quality meats that everybody's using right now. Is there anything else that you see right now that when you first got in, you're like, man, I can't believe we've evolved to, to where we're at today? Well, the thing is, I mean, when I started, there were no cook schools. There were no cookbooks. Um, there was no internet to go to the research, but everybody coming in the game today, and I don't blame them a bit. And I teach classes and I, you know, do cookbooks, but, um, they got a lot of knowledge and they're willing to spend the money to learn how to do this. Well, they're willing to spend the money to buy the great equipment. So it makes the competition so much stronger, which I'm going to tell you makes barbecue better myron do you uh, you know i'm always interested in you know when people get uh you know some type of success off of their skill first and then you get on the television and you write in the books and you know there's got to be some monicum of fame how recognizable are you if we walk down the streets of new york city or uh, dare i say cleveland ohio uh, are one out of ten people going to stop you and say, hey, it's Myron, or is it one out of 20, or is it hardly ever? Like, what's your recognizability when you're walking down the street? It happens a lot, and I just got back. Uh, matter of fact, I drove up in the driveway here, uh, getting back from New York, and um, it's amazing how many people love barbecue and how many people watch the shows. And the thing is, it's so damn cool because – they're relating to something that has been for so long a southern thing. I mean, it's all been about the South, but it's not as much about the South anymore because the whole country loves it, and it makes me so proud. Uh, I'm so glad that people watch the shows, so glad that people you know want to buy my products or read my books, but not only that, they take the time to want to learn how to barbecue. That's about as American as you can get right now. You know, we got baseball, we got everything else, but barbecue is really ours. And um, I think everybody across this country right now feels like they can get in their backyard and prepare a meal, have their friends and family over, and enjoy the time. You know going into this at this point that People are going to stop you. People are going to want to talk to you. You're, you're really kind of the visible barbecue guy out there in the country right now. Do you have to really play with yourself in the, in the mindset of, hey, 
you know, I might not be feeling it today, or I might have just got kicked in the teeth in a business meeting or something, but I'm going to go out on the street and I'm going to have to talk to 50 people. That's part of the deal for you kind of going forward right now, isn't it? Yeah, but let me tell you about that. The thing is, if it weren't for those guys and gals watching the shows, like I said a while ago, buying my stuff, there wouldn't be any Myron Mixon. There wouldn't be any business for Myron Mixon. And you bet your ass. Anytime somebody sticks a pen out there in front of me or sticks their hand out in front of me and want to hug me, I'm stopping and letting them do it. Or I'm going to do something for them. I'm not going to walk away from them. Myron Mixon is here talking about a number of things. Uh, We've talked about Memphis in May and uh, winning number four grand championship. We've talked about the, uh, the new book, and we're talking about the TV show as well. Ryan, I can't thank you enough for the time. Uh, really appreciate it. Glad we could uh, catch up. It's been a little bit. Uh, but continued success, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Greg. You got it. There he is. Myron right, Mixon. Pulling two segments. Yeah. You know, it's all like, uh, hey, while I got you on, you don't mind, uh, you know, hanging over for another segment, do you? No. I got nothing to do. Yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, doing that interview, Myron. Uh, Very open. And once again, I would like to point out for everybody that thinks that Myron is the guy that you see on Pitmasters or that guy that he plays on TV, tell me that that's not two different guys right there. That's Myron Mixon right there. That's the guy that you see at competitions. That's the guy who comes on these shows. He's not the heel or the guy that gimmicks up and, and almost is like that uh, the WWF situation. He's got it all figured out. He knows what he's doing. Very smart guy. So uh, many thanks to Myron Mixon for doing the uh, doing the interview. All right, let me, uh, let me get to this real quick before I run out of time. Yeah, you know. The newest sponsor of the show, Pit Barrel Cookers. Let me talk to you quickly about Pit Barrel. Gang, look, if you're pulling the trigger on a new cooker, nerves can take over, right? Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy. Who needs the hassle? Might I strongly suggest a Pit Barrel cook? The Pit Barrel makes cooking simple and fun, and it just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker on the market today. Imagine a single cooker. That will turn out great traditional barbecue meats like brisket, pork shoulders, ribs, while also being able to ramp up in temperature and do those burgers, wings, hot dogs. The versatility is all thanks to a revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. Their hook and hang method places the food in the center of the heat, so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie, if you will. The result is great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. In the industry, we call that consistency... Not a pit barrel. Not only is the pit barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's an aesthetically sexy devil as well. It's not only built to withstand heat, thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, the PBC is able to stand up to any type of weather. It's also extremely portable. It can fit in the back of most vans, trucks, and SUVs, so it's ready to go wherever you are. Of course, all barbecue folks love accessories, right? And the pit barrel doesn't disappoint there either. From rubs to the unique removable ash pan to pit grips, turkey hangers, hinged grill grates. There's a full line of accessories that will really complete your pit barrel experience. The best part, for $2.99, the pit barrel comes fully assembled and is ready to cook on. And 
It ships for free right to your door. But don't take my word for it. The folks over at AmazingRibs.com give the Pit Barrel a top 10 rating in their gold division. That's the highest rating they give, by the way. Not once, not twice, but three years in a row. They've also said, we're running out of good things to say about this simple, affordable smoke. There's nothing else like it on the market. Close quote. Head on over to PitBarrelCooker.com and see what everybody's talking about. Be sure to check them out with their full collection of short how-to videos shot in HD. Then pick up one or two for yourself. You'll thank me later. If you have any questions, you can contact them through their site or call 508. I'm sorry, 502-228-1222. That's 502-228-1222. And yes, they actually talk to you. Find out what great customer service is all about. PitBarrelCooker.com. That's PitBarrelCooker.com, 502-228-1222. Thanks again to Pit Barrel Cooker for jumping on board this train here. Noah, Amber, John Dawson as well. All right, uh, we'll wrap this bad boy up in just a few minutes. Stick around. We'll be right back. Guess we're just getting right to the wrap-up part of it. Okay, I know what I'm doing. No problem. First time on the show. All the way back in the first hour, we had Stephen Reichlin. Project Smoke book is out. The TV show is coming up Memorial Day, so look for that. We had Will Booty Amon talking about uh, his book, Be the Barbecue Pitmaster. And then in the second hour, we had extensive chats with Myron Mixon, jacksoldsouth.com, his website, Barbecue Rules is Myron Mixon's new book, and Smoked will debut June 1st on Destination America, a new uh, barbecue contest show, so look for that. We have a loaded show already next week. Very much looking forward to that. Thanks again to Pit Barrel Cooker for coming on as the newest show sponsor. Appreciate that. September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. And until next Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Rempe. Good night now.